0: This morning comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. It's a chapter filled with parables. We'll begin reading at verse 24 and read through verse 30. As we come to these words, first join me in prayer. Gracious God, in all times and in all circumstances, it is your Word that is life for us. So we are here, O God, and we are listening. Speak to us, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Listen for God's word for us. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but While everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you will uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. So we ask, when innocents suffer, when life is harsh, when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, where is God in all of that? Uh, Last Sunday I suggested that I think faith actually doesn't really provide us an answer to that question, but it does provide us a response. As people of faith, we battle suffering. We, we face suffering with compassion and courage and even good cheer. Uh, oh, admittedly, we also face it with heartbreak and rage and gut-wrenching sorrow, but we don't stay there. We battle because the love of God. Is trustworthy. As we sing, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. Tis grace will lead me home. But there's more. Jesus tells this story. You till the soil, you plant the seed, you water, and you wait, and eventually there's harvest. Like all of Jesus' stories, this one is about the kingdom of heaven, or God's promised day. And if I understand the text, the promise here is that in time, all that has gone wrong, God will make right. In time, God will heal all that is bruised and broken, and all that is good and beautiful and holy will be gathered up, none of it will be lost. The life of Christ bears witness that love is a tender power, it is a vulnerable strength, but the promise of the gospel is that love will win. Martin Luther King Jr. articulated this promise. He was often known to say the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. That's the promise of this parable in a nutshell. The world is beautiful, but it is also broken, and the truth is much of what is broken in you and me and in all, it's, it's beyond us to repair. There are things we can't fix. Uh, That may sound hopeless, but this beautiful and broken world is also beloved by God. And in God's promised day, all that has gone wrong, God will make right. Love is a tender power. It is a vulnerable strength. But love will win. But before we get there, we live through the season of the weeds in the garden. You know the truth of this story. Nothing is pure. No one is pure. There are no pure deeds or motives or choices or relationships. There are always weeds in the wheat. When we recognize this truth, our first reaction is often to fix it. As they said in the story, Master, do you, do you want us to weed the garden? We can do it, you know. We can rip out all of those bad weeds so that everything is just fine. Do you want us to make it right? Surprisingly, the response is no. You'll make it worse. I say surprisingly because often Jesus' counsel is to do just that, to do the good that is yours to do. It is to turn the other cheek, to go the second mile, to forgive 70 times 7. Discipleship is an active lifestyle. It involves a lot of doing. So it's surprising that Jesus here says, no, you better leave that to God. If you try to fix it, you're going to make it worse. Uh, there, there was an incident. I don't remember the details. It was decades ago. But my, my father-in-law, uh, my father-in-law was acting in a way that I didn't think showed complete respect to his daughter, my wife. Dads are like that sometimes. We forget that our grown children are grown, and we treat them like they're still our children. And, and that what was go, that's what was going on, and I didn't like it at all. So I told him so. Um, he was not immediately receptive. But I held my ground, and I said, you know, you shouldn't treat her like that. She's a grown woman. It's disrespectful. Don't treat her like a little girl. He said, I'm not. R2, am not R2, kind of went like down from there. Carol was quiet. I didn't need her to thank me for standing up for her. I knew she felt seen and loved and appreciated. You're never going to guess what happened. She was mad at me. Can you believe it? She was mad at me. She said, do you think I need you? to repair relationships in my family? Do you think I'm not capable of doing this all on my own? Stop treating me like a little girl, she said. (laughs) I said, oh, leave those weeds alone. Some things you just can't fix. There's a prayer attributed to Reinhold Niebuhr, which has been part of many 12-step programs. It speaks the wisdom of this parable. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There's wisdom there. There's also a danger there. This word should never be used To justify problems we can fix. The sidestep battles we should engage. I think I was about 10 when my dad taught me how to repair a broken window pane. Uh, We we measured the pane. We went to the glass shop. We got a new pane. We came back and chipped out the old caulk, removed the broken shards of glass, we placed the new pane in the window, we re-caulked it, and then painted it, it was just perfect, and I would have been very proud of my newly learned skill, except for the window we replaced was not at our house, it was at the Van Arsdale's house. It was their window that was broken because somehow, somehow my baseball ended up in their living room. So I learned how to replace a window. My dad told me, you broke it, you fix it. It's a good practice with windows and cars and even more so with people. And with people, there's always repair work that has to be done. Uh, The rest of that prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Many of you have reached out in the wake of the horrific shooting at Robb Elementary School on Tuesday. Uvalde. It's now a name added to others. Sandy Hook, Columbine, Las Vegas, Orlando, Virginia Tech, Bethesda, Charleston, Aurora, Buffalo, and Kansas City. The list is endless. Gun Violence Archive tracks mass shootings. They define a mass shooting as an incident where four or more are injured or killed. According to their records, there have been 48 mass shootings in the United States this month, seven this week. Kansas City has suffered 65 homicides so far this year, the vast majority by guns. Our response has lacked wisdom. We seem to be saying, well, there are weeds in the wheat, what can you do? There are always weeds in the wheat, there are no pure responses, no pure answers. It's hard, what can we do? But that response lacks wisdom and courage. Some people of power say they're grief-stricken, and I believe them. They say they are praying, and I trust that too. But you and I know this. Prayer is not a practice to baptize the status quo. Prayer is the practice to inspire us to live toward God's promised day, and that is a day when our children can grow up to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. They were just children. A few moments away from going to the cafeteria where they'd have lunch of ham sandwiches and peach slices, someone reported, but they never made it because human beings do inhumane things. It's part of our sinful condition. Human beings do inhumane things and because it's almost as easy to get a gun in this country as it is to make a reservation for lunch. So we're grieving and we should. But I wonder if we should also be ashamed, because it doesn't have to be like this. We can be better than this. No nation of honor sacrifices her own children like this. As people of faith forever living toward God's promised day, we must do the good that is ours to do. Yes, there are problems we cannot fix. Yes, there are issues we will not solve, but there is good that is ours to do, and it matters. And for people of power and people who profit from the slaughter of innocents, it is time for them. To do the good that is theirs to do. As as Jesus taught in another parable, when your neighbor is dying in the ditch, to walk by on the other side is sinful. No nation of honor sacrifices her children like this. And I'm grateful to people like Charlotte Davison and others who work, work against gun violence and work for gun safety. Every session meeting, Charlotte reads to us the names of those in our own city who have died that month by gun violence. It's never a short list. And I'm grateful to Alice and Al Edson and their new mental health initiative that was started just because of this circumstance. And Village, and many of you as individuals, support it. It matters. God, grant us the courage to change the things we can. This parable does not bless inaction. But it does affirm that when we reach our limits... God is faithful. God is faithful. Windows can be repaired, and sometimes so can injuries among friends and even hard things in our culture. But sometimes the most faithful thing to do is to trust that God will make right that which we have failed to make right. When I was in seminary, I I did a little internship. I was a campus minister at Clemson University. Student group we'd meet. We'd always begin with devotion. One winter night, Lynn gave the devotion. He was the faculty advisor, the math professor. Several years before I met them, before I was there, Lynn and his wife, Kay, had an elementary school son, Ashley. Ashley died of leukemia. Lynn shared his story that night. I'll never forget it. He spoke of weeping through the night, of praying in that hospital room, lifting, pleading prayers to silent ceilings, God, heal my son. But it didn't happen, Ashley didn't survive. And Lynn said that night, I will forever carry the scars of grief in my heart. But I want you to know that resurrection, coming back from the dead, is not just for those who have died. Somehow God brings new life even to those who hurt so badly. Our greatest fear is that we will never die. He said, I have been to hell and back but bit by bit, heartbeat by heartbeat, God is resurrecting me. Astonishingly, he said, I am alive again. This is the promise of the parable. God is trustworthy. Sometimes, there are things we cannot fix. There are wrongs we cannot make right. There are injuries we cannot mend. Jesus says, leave it to God, for in time God will sort the weeds from the wheat, and all will be well. As we sing, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. Tis grace will lead me home. Suffering has no doubt already come to you, and it will likely come again. It is not something we seek to explain. It's something we battle. It's something we battle with courage and good cheer. And when there are things we cannot make right, we leave them to God who will be faithful For there is a promised day toward which we are living. It is a day when justice will roll down like waters. It is a day when swords will be beaten into plowshares. It is a day when our burdens will be laid down and our griefs will be healed and our shames will be washed away. It is a day when the hungry will be fed and all people will know dignity. And it is a day when the children can grow up to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.